Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience podcast. At the time that I'm recording this, it is Hanukkah, so I want to first wish everyone who celebrates it a happy Hanukkah. Um, And if you're listening to this after Hanukkah is over, I hope you had a happy Hanukkah. On that note, tis the season, am I right? (laughs) Today, I got another good one for (laughs) you. I want to talk about Girl Scouts and holidays in the name of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which, by the way, we also call DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, DEI. So let me start out by saying I personally celebrate Christmas. I love Christmas. I'm a Christmas fanatic. I have literally six Christmas trees at my house this year, one at the front door, one in my living room, one in my office, one in the upstairs loft, one in my bedroom, and soon one on my back patio. It is a winter freaking wonderland at my house. I dream of decorating like I'm living in a Hallmark movie. I'm one of those weirdos, okay? I love Christmas. And I try to make it magical for my family and, frankly, (laughs) for myself. And so it is so easy to want to take all of that love and magic and want to share that with my troop, too. And I'm not here to just say, hey, by the way, don't celebrate Christmas with your troop, because putting it simply like that is just scroogey, and I am not about that life. But let me first start out by talking about what I've done with my troop in the past and what I want to do differently moving forward as I'm learning more about DEI and anti-racism and all these huge topics that are super complicated and that kind of go against the grain and tradition and the social norms a little bit because it's a Christian white supremacist power structure and we're all just living in it. I have mentioned before in the past on this show that my former troop, which in case you missed it, I've gotten a few messages about this of people who are a little confused because I make references to my troop being past tense. Um, But uh, in case you missed the full explanation, the older girls from my multi-level troop all kind of dispersed during the pandemic. And so the troop that I initially started several years ago is now all new really young girls. And it's at this point, it's super far away from me. I've actually moved twice since I started that troop. And I kind of decided like, if I'm going to start over, if I'm going to start a brand new troop with like daisies, then I'm going to do that over near where I live now. Um, I was only willing to commute like that for the girls that I've known since they were little tiny, tiny things. And now they're 13 and they're huge and they're in eighth grade and they wear a gallon of liquid eyeliner and it's kind of terrifying. But I was willing to continue to commute for them as long as they wanted to stay. But as soon as there was no longer enough interest at that level to continue, I just transitioned the troop to other leadership. Okay. I did a whole podcast episode on that before, and now I just summarized it in like 60 seconds. But anyways, my old troop meets at a church. They still meet there, um, and we started meeting there my second year of being a troop leader. And let me just start by saying it was a huge blessing to find that meeting space because it was totally free to us, and the pastor who runs the church and lives next door to it is incredible and was so gracious and kind and welcoming to us from the beginning. 
They let us plan events there, hold overnights there when the girls were practicing their progression so we could eventually go camping. And we were able to do pretty much anything we wanted. We had our own keys. We had storage. We did cookie distribution there. And we had enough space to meet in separate grade levels for my multi-level troop or to meet all together as one big group if we wanted. We had access to a full kitchen so the girls could do their like cooking related badges. But also when we spent the night, it made meal planning super easy. And the family of the pastor who runs the troop has three girls in their family, two of which are Girl Scout aged at this point. And that family was like our biggest recruiters (laughs) and supporters during cookie season. Honestly, the the whole setup was just like a dream come true. Except if I was going to do it all again, I would not meet at a church. At the time, we made it really clear that we were not affiliated with the church or the church's teachings. Girls did not have to be Christian to be part of the troop, and they definitely did not have to attend church services or events. Except they still would have to come to the church for meetings and for our events. They were still surrounded by wall hangings and teachings on the whiteboards that were left up sometimes from like previous groups who shared our space. Um, And those messages were blatantly religious. We knew at the beginning when we very first started meeting there that all of our existing families celebrated Christmas because we'd established that for other reasons, which I'm going to get to in a minute. So we figured they're all probably okay with meeting at a church. And Definitely over the years, nobody ever expressed discomfort with it. Except (laughs) we didn't ask them how they felt about it. We needed meeting space and this was a perfect solution. So like, (laughs) why would we make drama? (laughs) And even if we had asked how they felt about it, honestly, that's asking someone to speak up if they are uncomfortable, which puts the burden of disruption on them. And let me be clear, because I know some people are listening to this thinking, here she goes on another social justice warrior rant. I don't listen to this podcast for PC propaganda. So let me just put it out there. I am confident that meeting at a church did absolutely zero harm to any of the girls who were in my troop. I'm I'm very confident in that. So, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill here. But the fact is that This practice of meeting at a church is totally, quote unquote, normal for Girl Scout troops. And the fact that it's normal continues to feed into that power dynamic that people who do not identify as Christian just have to accept that Christianity is what's considered status quo and that a church is socially considered a safe space regardless of their own personal experiences or feelings about that. And yes, church should be a safe space. I think we all agree on that. But the truth is, the reality is, for some people, that's not it. It isn't. (laughs) And the reasons why people feel that way completely vary. And the truth is, even if people, quote unquote, don't mind meeting at a church, even though they aren't Christian for a totally secular meeting, the reality is it is not a totally secular meeting if it's held at a church. It's not a totally secular meeting when the whiteboard has quotes from the Bible on it. And I'm not personally offended or uncomfortable by the Bible or meeting at a church. 
But that doesn't mean it's okay to put others in a situation based on the assumption that it's probably okay. The truth is people who do not celebrate Christmas are forced to participate in the consumerism and commercialization of this time of year no matter what. Turning on the radio means Christmas music, some of which is as secular as Frosty the Snowman, but interspersed with songs like Silent Night. Walking into a train station or a hotel lobby means Christmas trees, red and green lights, wreaths, etc. Frankly, even walking through your neighborhood probably means that, and as someone who loves Christmas and loves the magic of the lights and the trees and the wreaths and the joy, who's thrilled to live in a neighborhood that goes absolutely bonkers with decorating for really every holiday year-round, this is fun for me. And let me add, too, that there are people who don't celebrate Christmas at all who still enjoy the music and the lights. I know that. I'm friends with people who feel that way. But I also know people who celebrate Christmas that have no link to Christianity throughout the rest of the year. For them, the holiday holds no religious significance. It's just cultural. And there are lots and lots and lots of different kinds of people. But the point of this is that we aren't given any kind of choice. It's forced upon us and it's everywhere, which very much creates a power structure that is assumed that Christianity and Christmas are dominant. Whether it actively bothers us, offends us, makes us uncomfortable or not is a moot point because we're all receiving the same subliminal message, which is that this is what's considered normal and socially accepted and the status quo. And if your family or household or personal affiliation or identity is different, then you are other. And when we really get down to it at an individual level, aren't we all other? Don't we all feel like we don't fit in all the time? (laughs) Aren't we all made to feel like we aren't the status quo in one way or another or many ways? So why is the status quo even the status quo if no one actually fits it? But I digress. So another thing my troop always did pre-COVID was every year we went caroling in an assisted living community, which again, I've talked about on this podcast before, but The first year we went to um, one community and then the second year we switched to a different location and we loved it and we continued to go to that second location for every year after that until COVID. We established a relationship with the people who organized our caroling event and some of the residents actually would look forward to us coming each year because it had become such a tradition. The girls made holiday cards, which were expressly asked to keep non-denominational, and I made sure that although some of the songs were definitely Christmas-oriented, nothing was blatantly religious. But even still, the first year we did it, we took a poll of our families to take a pulse on like what their holiday practices were, and everyone celebrated Christmas. They were not only okay with caroling, but they were supportive and excited about it. The girls dressed up in really cute festive outfits. They wore reindeer antlers or Santa hats and all kinds of cute creative attire, so they were all about it. But it did nag at me from the beginning that we never knew who was behind the door when we knocked and offered songs. We never knew what that person was going through or what holidays they personally celebrated, and we still forced Christmas down their throats. 
And again, I want to be totally transparent. This is one of my favorite things I did with my troop. So many residents in this community cried with joy at meaning, um, seeing the girls and hearing them sing carols. They hung up the girls' holiday cards on their refrigerators or their front doors with pride. They asked girls for hugs and mentioned how lonely they were, how much this meant to them, the memories this brought back. And please, just one more song before you go. Some residents would come outside and they'd watch from their doors as we continued to go door to door down the row of units um, on their same floor. And there were a few, of course, who declined or didn't even answer their doors. But mostly we were received extremely warmly. And the girls loved it, too. They always showed up with enthusiasm and excitement. It was an annual tradition and they knew it well. They knew what to expect. So down the line, a few years in, when some girls joined our troop who celebrated both Christmas and Hanukkah, of course, I mentioned this to their family. I asked for their feelings about it. We changed the name of our annual Christmas party to our end of the year party. We took Christmas themed aspects out of it, keeping it to snowflakes and winter. We did gifts, but we called them end of year gifts. We played games, but we ensured that they were not related to Christmas or we changed the language around it to make sure that it was, you know, welcoming. And the family in question was honestly fine with it. They would have been fine with it if we made no changes because they celebrated both holidays and the girls were used to Christmas being the dominant thing among their friend groups and like at youth groups or education or whatever. But again... This is when something started kind of eating at the pit of my stomach. I started to realize that if they had expressed to me that it bothered them, I would have absolutely canceled both traditions. And that made my heart feel really torn because I would have been really, really sad not to do those things that I love anymore and that I know so many girls loved as well. And and there would have been a part of me that would have thought, well, what if we keep it available as an option for girls who want to participate? But families don't need to participate if it's not a good fit for their family, just like any event or activity. But... It still kind of just felt wrong because if I want this to be a safe and welcoming and inclusive space for everyone, then I don't want to do any activity that makes me feel torn. And so how many girls are not involved with Girl Scouts because their families make assumptions about how safe and inclusive of an environment it is based only on limited experiences or exposure? Like, let me give you an example. There's a recruitment table at back to school night and anybody working the table is a white woman and all the pictures of girls at the table, whether it's the marketing materials or on a poster board or in a photo album, are white, able-bodied, and there are photos of those girls in Santa hats singing carols, like clearly going door-to-door singing Christmas carols. What message is that sending subliminally to potential new members because I've been that white woman with my photo album from my troupe, which features pictures from Christmas parties and Christmas caroling, among tons of other awesome fun activities at the recruitment table. And again, let me be clear, I'm not saying that Girl Scouts is a Christian organization or that it's exclusive, but how can we be as welcoming and truly inclusive as possible? In a world where families have to assess as quickly as they can what the safest and most inclusive spaces are for their kids, 
they have to base those assessments on assumptions that they've formed as a result of living in a Christian white supremacist power structure. And so those subliminal messages matter. I don't know if I've lost you at this point. Lately, (laughs) I've been talking about these kinds of things more and more, um, like in my real life, not just on the podcast. And uh, sometimes I notice when I have these conversations, I lose people. And I don't know if that means like I'm doing a bad job at articulating myself because I don't really think these things should be divisive at all. The last thing I want to do is more harm than good. Um, So if you have thoughts or feedback on this, please send me an email and let me know what you're feeling or what you're thinking. Um, My email is girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. But anyway, what I really wanted to talk about today was how we approach holidays with our troops, because there are so many of us that are honestly so well-meaning who fall into some traps and patterns that aren't actually accomplishing what we hope they're accomplishing. But before I dig into that, I want to go ahead and own that I've been reflecting as I did this research to put together this episode, and I've made decisions that I would do differently if I could do them again. And I plan to do them differently when I start my next troop. And I want to be clear that nobody's perfect. We're all doing the best we can. We have good intentions. And when I share episodes like this with tips, I'm not accusing anyone or telling you that you're not good enough or anything like that. And I feel like sharing the ways that I would make changes in my own troop leadership and how the things I'm learning have made me pause and reflect I'm trying to demonstrate that this is not a lecture or an accusation or a shaming thing. I just think we all need to take time to reflect and we really need to discuss these things more and more. Okay, moving on. Let's dig in. So pattern number one, trap number one. (laughs) Even if every girl in your troop is 100% Christian and celebrates Christmas and they love their faith community and feel safe in all of these ways, Celebrating Christmas as a troop and participating in Christmas-themed activities as a troop is still sending a message to your girls that this is a Christmas-specific space. And I believe that what most of us want to teach our girls and demonstrate and model for them is how to be inclusive, how to be welcoming, and how to navigate DEI in other parts of their lives in their friendships, at school, in clubs, and eventually when they grow up in the workplace. We may agree that Christmas is fun and it's even magical. So if you feel that way, if you're listening to this and you feel that way, I agree. (laughs) Um, It's natural that if you feel that way, um, If you feel it's okay and safe and accepted among this collection in your troop community, then it's natural that you would want to share the fun and magic of that together. And I totally get this because I empathize. But we can still have seasonal fun and magic that has honestly nothing to do with Christmas. Maybe it's the winter that's magic. Maybe it's the nature of one calendar year ending and a new one beginning. It's a mark of the passing of time. It's a time for reflection and gratitude. It's a time for goal setting and dreaming and planning. And all of these things can lead to a huge, deep appreciation for our love for each other and our planet and our lives. So maybe keep Christmas for religious-oriented spaces, which Girl Scouts is not. 
Okay, pattern number two. Celebrating or recognizing Christmas, but not in a religious way. Now, this is a big one for me. (laughs) Santa is not inherently religious, and neither are reindeer or elves or a red and green color scheme, but they are all Christmas symbols. They're Christmas specific. So this is still inherently feeding into the existing power structure that creates this us versus them and this othering mentality. It sets the subliminal tone that Christmas is normal. It's expected. It's part of everyone's lives. And if you choose to set yourself apart from Christmas, then you're inherently separate, different, and marching to the beat of your own drum. So instead, take Christmas out of it altogether. Snowmen, sleds, ice skating, blue and white and silver and gold, regardless of how commercial, commercially advertised or widespread these secular approaches may be, they are grounded in specific religious and cultural assumptions. Even some Christian families see these as pagan appropriations that trivialize one of their two most important holy days of the year. So for the many families of other faiths, the activities are inseparable from the underlying meaning of the religious rituals themselves. Because after all, a Christmas tree is still a Christmas tree and the Easter bunny is still the Easter bunny. And all dominant culture holidays reflect a particular perspective about history and particular groups of people who are admired and those who are erased. Okay, pattern number three. Here's a super easy one to get trapped in. And in fact, in my recollection, I feel like this was even what I was like encouraged to do in order to approach diversity when it comes to this season. Teaching about Christmas, Hanukkah, and Kwanzaa as a demonstration of diversity and inclusion. Look, We can learn about all kinds of different holidays, right? It's not that this is necessarily a bad thing in and of itself, but as a plan for inclusion, just talking about these three at this one time of year completely misses the mark. And I found a really good resource, which I'm going to link in the show notes, that tackles this really well. Um, In fact, I'm going to link a couple of resources in the show notes for you, but this one in particular that I'm going to reference right now, this article is from weareteachers.com, and they talk about how if this is your plan for DEI during the holiday season, then you need to ask yourself some hard questions. So what is the real reason for doing this? Does learning about Hanukkah and Kwanzaa feel like add-on material and Christmas is the social norm and the underlying assumption is that we're touring other cultures as alternatives? Because many of us can mentally justify writing letters to Santa or going caroling because we talked about and learned about Hanukkah and Kwanzaa traditions too. But the other reason this feels so service, besides the underlying assumption of what's considered like status quo or normal or standard, is that it's not actually about learning about, respecting, and appreciating multiculturalism. It's still specific to let's look at alternatives to celebrating Christmas. And a good way to tell if this is the environment that we are cultivating is When we explore Hanukkah in youth organizations or education settings at the same time of year, obviously, that we're talking about Christmas, but we haven't also recognized holidays like Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which are much more significant religious and cultural holidays than Hanukkah is. 
And it also creates this stereotype that Hanukkah is the quote-unquote Jewish Christmas, which is just not culturally accurate at all. And yet, this is a stereotype that many non-Jewish people are raised to understand as a frame of reference for what it means to be Jewish, which is just like, it's just not good enough. Another hard question that this um, article or blog post or whatever you want to call it uh, says to ask ourselves is, what exactly are we teaching? (laughs) So to be clear, it's not illegal to teach about holidays in schools. And I know that Girl Scouts is not school. And so this article obviously is intended for like the classroom. But I wanted to touch on this because I think that it really applies. Um, So it's not illegal to teach about holidays in schools. But while you can teach about religion, you can't teach religion. And the Anti-Defamation League explains it like this. This is a quote. While it is constitutionally permissible for public schools to teach about religion, it is unconstitutional for public schools and their employees to observe religious holidays, promote religious belief, or practice religion. Unquote. And again, this is specific to public school um, environment. So if you are affiliated with a, um, a house of worship, if you are affiliated with a private school, if you aren't staff for a public school, then like the constitutional part, the legal part does not apply to you. Um, but I think that it's important to talk about this as a frame of reference for understanding like the reason why that's enforced in public school settings is to create, well, theoretically, a safe and inclusive environment for all kids and their families. So as we were talking about earlier in this episode, does that mean that commercialized stuff is okay because it's quote unquote not religious? And the answer is no. So according to the NAEYC, quote, secularized versions of holidays are not culturally or religiously neutral, unquote. And they're right. A Christmas tree, for example, comes from a dominant culture religious holiday and is grounded in certain cultural assumptions. Hence, it's not neutral. Now, that's the same thing that I was saying about the whiteboard in the room where my troop used to meet. Okay, next hard question. Who are we excluding? Do these holidays reflect lived experiences? First of all, if you're leading instruction about holidays and cultural practices that you don't really know much about, are you actually helping expand knowledge about people's real lived experiences? This is very similar to my criticism of World Thinking Day, which we've discussed on this podcast before. Are we trivializing people's cultures and life experiences in the way that we're learning about them? And furthermore, when we teach or lead, for example, activities through these three holidays and only these three holidays, it creates a very limited understanding that suggests that we must choose and subscribe to one of these three cultural ways to live. Or... 
you choose not to participate at all. And none of these assumptions accurately reflect the complexities of culture and tradition and identity and diversity. So is your classroom or your troop meeting a safe space for children to share about their families and traditions? Are you interrupting stereotypes? Are you having conversations about how different people believe different things even within the same belief system? Because inclusion is not about the activities. It's about the environment. Okay, number four, the last one for mistakes and patterns and traps that we sometimes find ourselves in when we're trying to promote DEI at this time of year. Consider that the holidays are a really hard time for a lot of people. Seasonal depression is real. And many of us have lost loved ones or experienced other kinds of hardship. And holidays passing are reminders of the loss, grief, depression, and isolation. For some girls, holidays can trigger PTSD. And acknowledging or celebrating holidays at Girl Scouts can actually contribute to their trauma and pain. And further, for girls or families who are experiencing hardship and pain during the holidays, the commercialism of joy and gratitude can make us feel like we're failing, we're alone, and it can even cause feelings of shame and exclusion because We aren't happy and excited or grateful when everyone's telling us that we should be, and it seems like everyone else around us is able to experience these things in ways that we can't. So, now that we've talked about some of the ways that we get it wrong when we're trying to be inclusive and to celebrate diversity, let's end on some tips of how we can do better. Now, we already touched on swapping holidays for seasons. Seasons are for everyone. And although those of us in the desert (laughs) experience fewer outward environmental cues about the changing of seasons (laughs) compared to most of you in other parts of the country, um, there are still social cues that come from the changing of seasons that are easy to participate in together. Another tip is to learn from each other. And now I have to caution, there's an easy tourist trap here, which is asking people to essentially perform or display their culture or heritage or religion for educational and entertainment purposes. So we do have to be careful here. Rather than singing a well-known Christmas song with the group and then asking your two Jewish sisters if there are any Hanukkah songs that they'd like to teach the group, which could fall into that tourist trap I was just talking about. Encourage all the girls to share about their family life and their lived experiences and everyday experiences at the beginning of the year and throughout the year, not just at the winter season. There are a lot of badges in the Girl Scout Corps program that allow for girls to share about their family, their friends, their home life, their faith, and more, and to learn about the past, connect with their community. And these are certainly not seasonally specific. There's a better way to create an inclusive, diverse, and equitable environment. So my last two tips, these are my favorite ones. (laughs) 
One of my favorite tips is to participate in this exploration and curiosity of other cultures year round. So if you want to go hard for Christmas and Hanukkah, then also incorporate things like Dia de los Muertos, Diwali, Lunar New Year, Rosh Hashanah, Ramadan. Look for themes, light, liberation, sharing, thankfulness, community across cultures. But my absolute favorite suggestion is to create your own traditions and celebrations. And this is important for me because the part of me whose heart is torn on, I've loved these experiences that I've had with my past troop and it would make me sad to retire them. So if you're if you relate to that, if you feel that at all, then I think this is a good one for you. So create your own traditions and celebrations. Your troop can come up with them together and they can be things like pajama parties, silly games, scouts own ceremonies, vision boards, scavenger hunts, scrapbooking, read alouds, sleepovers, volunteering or community service, late night movie parties, ice skating, or really anything you want. You can still mark this time of year with a special troop tradition that feels magical and special and sparks reflection and goal setting and gratitude and relationship building and caring and compassion and togetherness. These past two years have been so hard for literally billions of people across the world. One good thing is that the pain and the struggle that humanity has been through has led to a lot of really important conversations that we need to be having about each other, ourselves, mental health, trauma, DEI, the environment, freedom and autonomy, public health, and so much more. Okay, that is all I really have for today. I hope that this was helpful. I hope this wasn't triggering, and I hope that I didn't lose you halfway through. No matter where the season finds you, just know I am sending you all my love. I'm wishing you peace and love this year and every year, and I hope that this podcast and this community remind you that you're not alone. I am here, and I appreciate you so much, and I'm so grateful to connect with you. I am so grateful for the work that you're doing with the girls and their families and Girl Scouts. And I am so grateful for three years of this podcast and still going and growing. And it's all thanks to listeners like you. Talk to you next week.